Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast. Today we have Carlos Correa finally signing a contract, book club, and arbitration updates. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Brad, and I'm joined, as always, by our faithful compatriot here, Brig, on my left. How are you this fine evening, Mr. Brig? Doing well. Very well. Thank you. How are Good. you? How was your, uh, did you? Did you enjoy your holiday today? Yeah. 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 Did you? I did, actually. Yes, very much so. It's terrific. Got a I got, solid uh, nap. Yeah, I got a chance to do some personal time, which I don't get very often. It was awesome. And I also got to explain to my child who Dr. Martin Luther King was. That was pretty Excellent. cool. She's six, and that was a really interesting conversation. <laughs> I bet it was. You know what we've been doing? We've been we've been checking out biographies from the library. Yeah. Like kids like kids length, right? Like that who who's who series or whatever. Who uh, yeah, was. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like and it helps 20, that Wilson likes pages. to watch that show on whatever channel it's on to, the Who Was show. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Anywho, let's get into this. There's not much, but we're going to stretch it out anyway. Okay. <laughs> first things first Carlos Correa has finally signed a contract. He signed a deal with the Minnesota Twins. Mm-hmm. And I. I think it's freaking hilarious. He got six years, $200 million. It could be worth up to $270 million. Um, this offseason, he has agreed to 31 years and $865 million in contract money. But he's getting like such a small fraction of that. Yeah. It's mind-boggling. <laughs> it's half the length that all the other teams were offering him. Mm-hmm. It's literally yeah. half. I was it is. shocked. It is it is shocking. And this is one thing that Scott Boris released a statement. He said, I don't understand the Mets. I gave them all the information. We had them talk to four doctors. They knew the issue the Giants had. And yet they still call the same doctors the Giants used for his opinion. There was no new information. So why negotiate a contract if you're going to rely on the same doctor? I say Tosh. It was Tosh. different with the Giants because a doctor had an opinion they didn't know about. But the Mets had had notice of this they knew the opinion of the giants so why did you negotiate when you know this in this thing in advance he said it was really really stressful for carlos and his family i'm not surprised it was stressful that i'm sure it was but you know what though honestly i feel like the one who's putting him through the most stress scott Scott boris yeah scotty b exactly i agree yeah so i uh i don't know i am a little bit shocked that a Scott Boris client settled for six years. Mm-hmm. That they legit in this market, yeah, yeah, and that because they no go ahead. Well, he could have taken a you know less money and gotten a longer contract. Yeah, right. And I wonder if I wonder if the Mets were willing to go like eight years. Yeah. Right. But they yeah. were just like so fed up. They're like, no, we're going to go somewhere else. I don't know. But mm-hmm. so I thought this was interesting that this is uh, David Sampson explained on his podcast. Nothing personal. Yeah, nothing personal. With David Sampson. He explained how physicals work. Mm-hmm. I did not know this. I always assumed that it was a checklist, right? Doctor goes down the list, 
check your shoulder, check your hips, check your knees, check your legs, blah, blah, blah. Look at, look at, um, medical your x-rays, MRIs, all that stuff. We're looking, we're looking for this, this, and this. That is not how it works. A doctor goes through and performs a physical and then presents the information to the team owner and the general manager and says, this is what I found. Mm. The owner and the general manager look at it and say, they say, okay, um, this might be concerning. Doc, what's the prognosis for this in six years from now? Well, based on what I've seen, this, 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 this could happen, this could happen. He could be fine. Yeah. Right? So what what happened was this doctor the Giants used for the physical – this one guy, apparently, from what it sounds like, is like, this is a bad injury, and it could real, it could raise its ugly head again down the road. I'm assuming what he said, like what I yeah, said sure. last week with my dad, how he had a bad break, and almost 20 years later, it's still bugging him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wonder if that was something that came up, is that like it might not bug him now, but you have him play in a cold-weather city like New York, or even a cool weather city like San Francisco. Yeah. And he's 37, 38. It's going to bug him. Okay, but he's playing in Minnesota. I know. And the twins are like, six years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. So. Why would know, they I, not go for, for a clean physical? Like zero soup to nuts. The whole thing. Let's check everything. Start to finish. That's weird that they don't have a checklist like you, like you were talking about. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just because not everybody's going to fit the checklist. Like I think if you had a checklist, nobody would pass. Maybe that's everybody's true. got something, especially you, you play, you play sports long enough. You're 30 years old. Everybody got something. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Everybody's had at least one surgery at that point. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So I, I think that's why, but no, I thought that all along it was a checklist, but I thought that one thing I really liked about this though, I've been saying for years, I don't understand why teams go out there and they bid against themselves when a guy is demanding a 10-year contract, but nobody else is offering it, and they but they go do it anyway. Right. Right? I've never understood that. And this was yeah. the Twins being like, from the very beginning, we will not give you more than six years. Right. Will not. And then these other teams, you know, they go and do it, but they don't like what they see. And then the Twins are like, and here's this for you. Yeah, all along. we t- yeah we said yeah, and he had to take the offer on the deal or on, offer on the table. And I'm curious <clears throat> if maybe maybe owners will get get smart and stop bowing to the demands of the agent and just give what they want to give. Right, like because if it's not there, they can't we can take offer it. you. Yeah. Right. And I understand collusion, yeah. right? If owners are in the owners' meetings in in the winter, like, okay, we're not going to give anybody more than seven years. Like that's yeah. collusion, right? You can't do that. that. Yeah. Totally, yeah. But if it's kind of an understood thing, like that's where we're going to culturally, max out. Yeah. yeah, it becomes the new normal. And that's I've right. said for years, I think the NBA does it right. They have maximum lengths of contracts, yeah. and it's um, stipulated. Yeah, exactly. And they can give a guy an extra year if he signs with his team that drafted him. Yep. But that's it. And I think that's huge. It's huge. Like if but if yeah. If MLB came in and said we're going to cap the number of years we can make a contract, but if you sign with the team that drafted you or the team you're with currently, then you'll get an extra year. Guys, they eat it up. Guys, stay put. That which is what we want. 
Exactly right. Let's make it clear that Brad and I want guys to stay put for long to long term contracts. Yeah, exactly right. We do. Hmm. And I would I would prefer to have a homegrown guy who's really good stick around than have somebody else come in who's not as good, but it's his only option. Right. Okay. So let's war game this a little bit. Can you imagine Julio doesn't sign that extension? Okay. Right. And at the end of his arbitration eligible years, he goes and gets poached by Houston yeah. or San Francisco even or whatever because he likes the climate. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, that I would could, be with the amount of money. I feel like San Francisco would be realistic with the amount of money they threw at Correa and Judge this offseason. Right. That's so, what I mean. So, like, yeah, yeah, they go out there and they throw all this money at, at Julio and go somewhere else. No, it's bad for Seattle. Everything about that's bad, bad for Seattle. And yeah. because it's bad for an entire fan base, it might also be all the way bad for baseball. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not not it is every time, but depending on how it it goes, that it could be very bad. Yeah, it would be bad. I mean, you look at I know Ken Griffey Jr. demanded like asked for a trade. Yeah. But that was not good for the fan base. No, no. The not, A-Rod, none of them. But it was more forgivable than A Rod leaving mm-hmm. because the Mariners couldn't give the money that Texas could. They totally. still hate A Rod in Seattle. Rightly so. I think last time I, I was there, seven years ago, people were still throwing money out of the rafters when he was a Yankee. <laughs> You're kidding me. No, I think people still have Monopoly money they were throwing at him. Because that's, that's, that's what that's they did the first time he came back after he left. Yeah, there was yeah, just yeah. Monopoly money everywhere. That's hilarious. But, and that they still do it is even funnier. So. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, that should be a thing always. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the of his career. Monopoly money. Oh, here's some garlic fries and some strawberries and, and some your monopoly, monopoly money. money. <laughs> there you go. Welcome to Seattle. <laughs> right. uh, so speaking of um, of contract signings, there were two major international signings over this weekend. Was, I, I think it was the end of the international signing windows because there was a bunch but two majors the number yeah. one international prospect ethan salas who's a catcher mm-hmm. out of venezuela he's 16 years old signed with the padres for 5.6 million dollars uh, i think that they've got their catcher of the future the reports that i've read say that he he has an older brother who's in the marlin system that he's like his dad and his grandfather played professionally and they think that he's going to be the best of the bunch that's cool so and the cat and the Padres like that's their weakest link mm-hmm. is catcher. Like yeah. I like um I'm drawing a blank. Um Austin the, the guy not Romine. Uh Nola. Anyway, Austin Nola. I like him because he was in Seattle. Yeah. But yeah. he's not your ever he's not an everyday catcher. Mm. No way. No chance. Mm-mm. And so we'll probably no, see him. Point. I think we'll see Ethan Salas in four or five years, and I think that the Padres will have their catcher of the future. So that's cool. a big deal for them. And then the Mariners signed the number two overall international prospect. So exciting. Huzzah. <laughs> Belning Celestine. He is 17 years old from the Dominican Republic. They gave him $4.7 million. Um, there has been a lot of noise surrounding him for the last few months that Mariners mm-hmm. fans are like, when are you going to sign him? When are you going to sign yeah. him? So he's a shortstop. And uh, he'll be taking over JP uh, JP Crawford's spot here in a few years. It's going to be a huge deal. 
I I was talking with Jewel about this, and I I was like, he's the Julio Rodriguez Julio Rodriguez of the infield. That'd he's a amazing. switch hitter. Um, there are like no Jewel. He's like they say there's like no holes in his game. Wow. So, yeah. So huge deal signing him. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> let's let's hope he stays. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So hopefully he stays on that trajectory, on that path, mm-hmm. and when he makes it to the big leagues, that's going to be another World Series title, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> According to that prediction we saw. That's right. Where y'all are going in 27 or whatever? 26. Was, 26, is that what it was? Yeah. So 23 and 26, that'd be pretty cool. I would be super down with that. My oh, goodness. yeah. Might retire from sports. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you might have to. <laughs> yep. Don't though, Get okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> anyway. So, all right, we had we had an interesting thing go down this week with the Cardinals. Matt Holiday resigned as the Cardinals bench coach. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he went to go touch home plate, but he says otherwise. No, no. Um, he was only there for 2 months. And and this is what he said. He said, in theory, four months out, it seemed like something I wanted. As it got closer, I just felt like I stopped playing, playing baseball, because I didn't want to miss all the things you miss. When you say yes to something, you say no to something else. I thought that was very insightful and a great thing to say. Because as a dad, we both absolutely get that, right? 100%. We have that conversation all the time. Like, I wake up to that conversation every day. Yeah. Because I, I literally every day have to say, nope, I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, there's there are so many things that, like, I want to do that I have to put on the back burner because, like, no, because I don't yeah. have time for that right now. Yep, I, exactly. I cannot. I've got to finish projects A through G before I can start <laughs> projects F through P at all. <laughs> Dude, I did that to myself today. I was like, I could write a collection of short stories. Nope. <laughs> finish the novel. Then you can yeah. write a collection of short stories, yep. big dummy. <laughs> it's exactly right oh, and so i i absolutely respect his decision and his insight as to why he did yeah so good for him yeah, good for matt good. holiday maybe he'll go touch on plate while he's doing that I doubt uh, maybe it. that's one of the things he needs to do but he was replaced by joe McEwing. that news came out the other day and we were baffled but now we've got some more insight as to why and it makes yeah. sense makes a lot of sense good for him yes robot umpires brad's favorite topic yeah. Is that robot umpires are coming? It is confirmed that they will be here in 2023 at the AAA level. So Across for those of you with AAA clubs, clubs anywhere near near you, you you're going to want to go see this. We're huge minor league baseball advocates, anyway. We are. like I am all about minor league baseball. So um, great opportunity to go see the future and support your local ball clubs as well. That's right. So last year. Cool. There were select clubs that had this, that had the robot umpires, but not everybody did. But this year, it is, it's all across the board. Like I said, it's getting closer to Major League Baseball. I feel like the fact that they're going across the board means that they've worked out a lot of the kinks. Yeah, they had to. I would think so. Yeah, they're not going to roll out a product that's not minimum viable. Like, they just won't. And I feel like they were carving out minimum viable uh, before they brought it to AAA, and then now they've polished off the rest of it. So it's the only reason to roll it out league-wide. It is, yeah. And I think it will be fun, and it will be exciting, and mm-hmm. I think it will make for a better product. And, I mean, some of the things we've seen in the last couple months is, I don't remember if it was um, if it was uh, an Arizona Fall League thing where somebody where a batter challenged the pitch. Yeah, they tapped their head. Yeah, 
and it was yeah. it was a it was a strike low. It was called strike low. Batter challenged it. Turned out it was ball four. He took his base, and it, the yeah. whole thing took like ten seconds. It was super quick. It's like a yeah, tennis review because it's batters. It's mechanics. yeah, batters get a limited number of those per game, right? If I remember right, um, but yeah, it's I mean, a, it would make it, sense. that's a brilliant system. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be really good for a lot of reasons. Um, an umpire's arbitrary strike zone is not going to be determining games anymore. And that's the thing that I'm most excited about. Yeah, You're not going to get an umpire who called ball four on somebody in the third inning calling strike three in the exact same pitch in the eighth inning. Right. So that's yeah. the thing yeah. that upsets me the most. And if you're new to the concept, new to the channel, robots are not actually going to call balls and strikes there will still be a human behind home plate for every other officiating purpose they will simply have an earpiece in and there will be a robot above the grandstand tracking the strike zone and then a signal will get called to the umpire who will make the call who will actually deliver the hand signal right so robo that's how it works be your new umpire yeah no no or uh, Ultron. Ultron will not be called Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> My brain just spun out of control with that one. I loved it. <laughs> I went in a totally different direction. Okay. <laughs> All right. Last thing before we go take a break. Um, MLB has hired Billy Chambers to work around local blackout issues. <gasps> oh, Hooray! my gosh. It's about time. It is. So it's focused on incorporating streaming options as it has become the preferred viewing method nationwide. Uh, super duh. Super um, duh. Chambers is said to be a longtime regional sports network executive. If they can get this worked out with the TV people, that would be freaking huge. Like MLB network or MLB TV would yeah. explode. Oh, yeah. You know how much money they would get from MLB TV if they, if they got rid of blackouts? Dude, so much. Did you know that I read that Las Vegas viewers are blacked out from, I think, six Western market teams? That makes sense because you've got, I'm sure they're blocked out for Phoenix, LA, right. which had them blocked out for Anaheim, probably San yeah. Diego, and I wouldn't be probably. surprised with San Francisco and Oakland. Yeah. That's six. Can you imagine? And if you're in Northern Oklahoma, you lose all of Texas, St. Louis, um colorado maybe even hmm. probably not colorado but you lose I, I read that they lose okay that's what it is kansas city st louis and every texas team all two of if them. if you're in oklahoma <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that bizarre <laughs> it is it is absolutely bizarre well i mean like when we lived in idaho i was blacked out from seattle right i couldn't watch mariners games in western you're idaho. not even close to local no 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 mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah, I watched a lot of Dodgers Sir. games in Idaho. I bet you did. <laughs> I'll bet you did. No. If they can get that sorted out, though, that will be a really, really, really big deal for MLB TV. I'm sure that the what it's going to mean for TV rights as far as, like, local TV yeah. is that it will, like, those deals will go will drop. But hopefully they can work out that there will be profit sharing from MLB TV from the league among the team so they don't suffer suffer that's quotes that's very yeah. relative generous <laughs> relative. Yeah. yeah definitely but yeah. what it will do for the game to take it from being regional to nationwide 
Mm-hmm. Be huge. That's what it, it needs to be. Deal. There needs to be access to to TV or to broadcast games, no matter what. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's like last year when the Mariners were here. Um, in twenty was twenty twenty one, when the Mariners came to town for three games. I went yeah. to Friday and Saturday games, and then I had no idea what was going on on Sunday because I didn't go to that game. Right. You couldn't no get access to any of it. No. <laughs> no way to watch it. <laughs> you can listen to it though. You can always listen to it. It's Even true. if you're a, if you're using MLB's uh, app, the MLB TV app, you can mm-hmm. always access the radio broadcasts. They never yeah. black those out. That's my. But when you have when you live in a house with two little kids who make a lot of noise, yeah, it's hard to listen to games. You can That's watch true. it. You can't listen to it though. But therein Amazing. lies the problem. But let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to go through the book club. Where we're talking about Fairball by Bob Costas. Welcome back, baseball family. Uh, for those of you paying attention, we are reading a book as a group. It's called a book club. That's what they call it. And uh, we have chosen Fairball by Bob Costas. If you want to jump in and catch up, maybe this is your first time here. This is what the book looks like. Um, we highly recommend getting it on Audible if you get the chance, because the delivery is significantly different. It is a very different experience. <laughs> <laughs> Brad and I listened to this book previously, and then, you know, obviously we picked up a copy for the book club. And um, that I think let's just get into it, Brad. That's our first major takeaway yeah. is that the way Bob reads it, because he reads it himself uh, on the audio version, is it's very, very different than it is. The, what you walk away with his intonation is much more positive because he actually says that at the very beginning of the book he says that he's he's like i'm not a romantic i'm not a traditionalist um mm. he's like a, his exact words are i'm more bold durham than field of dreams right. and it's funny because like everything leading up to that and then like a lot of stuff after as you read it you're like mm, no mm. but when you listen to it his tone is much more that way he's much more positive delivering the negative things. And I think part of that comes through because he's a professional broadcaster. He knows how to do that for sure. But you can hear him saying it in a way that like, well, it just makes sense this way. Like I don't hate baseball. I'm not upset about it. Like, I just think this would be better. Right. Yeah. But when you're reading it, he comes off. What'd you say? Cranky. Cra- really cranky. Like yeah. angry pants. Yes. Big time. And my, yeah. my other thing was that he's complaining about the 1997 world series between the Cleveland Indians and the, florida marlins at the time and i was yeah. just like that is absolutely something a yankees fan would say absolutely right, he's not a yankees fan he's he not said a yankees that he fan. he said that he grew up going to yankees games though yeah but he didn't he say he was a twins fan as well well he he breaks it down like the perspective of a twins fan and maybe he's right. a twins fan i don't know but right. him talking about going to yankee stadium i'm like yeah, yeah. that is something that uh, somebody grew up watching the yankees would say because hmm. you way prefer to have a big market team there where somebody of like course. me who's a fan of a small market team i prefer yeah. to watch the small market teams my favorite world series though are small market versus big market because the big market is always the villain right but yeah. i'll step down and we'll get back to the book thanks but bro. no it <laughs> felt like that's where like him him complaining about a world series between the marlins and the indians is like i don't know and but maybe he doubles as back kid, i was like that's fine he doubles back though and he lauds the performances of teams like minnesota who had two world series victories in the 80s 
And he says, right. what a great opportunity for small market teams like Pittsburgh, Oakland, Minnesota, who were perennial pennant winners and World Series appearers. And he was like, this is what it should be. So he, so I agree with you. While he comes off super angry in the introduction, especially if you read it, if you listen to it, it's different. But if you read it, the introduction comes off as really, really ornery. And it reminded me of Jerry Maguire. Honestly, I kept thinking as I was reading the introduction, I was like, if this was written today with the same tone and the same delivery and the same everything, he would be run out of baseball. I don't think they would let him anywhere near the game after this if he had if he had released this today. It's too inflammatory. It comes it comes off the page as too inflammatory. And so he would be chasing down his own clients and hoping that a basketball would take him back or something because this is not going to be it would have it would have ended things for him in baseball. Well, something I thought was interesting that he pointed out and this book was written what 2001, 2000, something like that. 2000. Yeah. 2000. He said and this, this is a five-year window, small sample size, but he says since 1995, only three out of the 189 postseason games have been won by teams in the bottom half of payrolls. And that's I feel like that's his big argument. Yeah, it is. Is that since the 94 strike that there has not been as much parity that it's you have to have a big payroll, you have to be able to bring in the stars and pay them to win games. And the thing that's interesting is that at the time – and probably through like 2005, that was the case. Yeah. You know, but we've seen teams figure out how to build teams through their farm system and sustainable. We've seen sustainability since 2017. Yeah. With the Astros that that's the model now. It is. Well, and the Rays have been doing it quietly for years as well. Right. Yeah. And granted they haven't won a world series, but they've made deep playoff runs. And you know who else doesn't bring in the big free agents? The Dodgers. That's they trade true. for guys. They'll yeah. trade for big names, but they don't sign yeah. them. I think Freddie's probably the only difference. Him and yeah, it's like him because Trey Turner left. Yeah, yeah, it was, was a trade. trade. Yeah, it was a trade. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. So let's move on to chapter one because chapter one was really interesting. At, at one point, I thought, wow, he he hates the players. And then as I further read on, I was like, wow, he hates the owners. And by the time I got to chapter three, I was like, wow, he really is just a fan. And he really is just in in our camp, right? He's mm-hmm. he's really advocating on behalf of the fan, which is which is the subtitle of the book is a fan's case for baseball. Right. But in chapter one. One of the things that he argued, and again, this is 23 years ago, but he argues that the true measure of success is a team's attendance. But that has gone kind of on its head with all of the broadcast opportunities that are available now that were not available then. Mm -hmm. So my question is, is that still the barometer for the health of the game? I contend it probably is. But don't you think, Brad, like butts and seats got to be the ultimate barometer? I don't know. It's tough. It's really tough just because it's gotten to be so expensive to go to a game. Cause I remember in high school sitting there looking at tickets to Mariners games and be like, we can get tickets for 12 bucks. I yeah. can swing that. Like my friends and I are like, we can swing that. We just had to get to Seattle. That is it. Right. You know? Yep. Yep. But now you can't get in the door for under 30 bucks at most places. Right. Right. I, Unless there's this, a promo. 
this last summer I was able to score some sweet cheap tickets, but man, you got what you paid for. And they weren't right. bad because I got to be there and I had a six year old with me, so it's different. Right. But, yeah. But yeah, but it like was diff- when you were here though, like we walked up to the gate and we paid thirty five bucks to get in the door for the yep. cheapest seats in the house. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like that's the biggest problem is that it's cost prohibitive for a lot of people to take their kids to a game. That like yeah. Wilson and I will go to a game, we'll drop a hundred bucks for yeah. seats, food, totally. and that's it. Right. You know? That's that's not going to the team store that has nothing to do with right parking. If you had to pay for parking, if yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. So I think that's the biggest problem. So instead, it's easier and cheaper to pay for MLB TV and watch games at home. Yeah, which if you're so there's the first argument that a I don't feel like that's indicative of the health of the game necessarily. It's more of the economy, right? Yeah, and also the way they're counting seats because Samson told us that <laughs> Bud Selig's big thing was bump your numbers, fudge right? them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And since then, they've taken a different approach and don't do that anymore. But the other thing, the other big thing that that Costas talks about is ratings, TV ratings, at the Nielsen ratings. You know, yeah, it's like, time. oh man, baseball was doing these massive numbers, and it's like there is no way to tell now, not now, zero. No, no. With there the is so much streaming. streaming and yep. all the VPNs that are stealing it. And yeah, there's there's no way to tell. You could have half the globe watching a World Series game and it would look like you've got 3 million people watching. Yeah, that's exactly right. You cannot tell. There's no way to track it. A couple of his arguments are really interesting. He said that player movement was too high back then. Um, salary structure completely out of control. Teams opening this. Yeah, teams opening the season in hopeless situations. That still is a problem. Player movement mm-hmm. too high still is a problem, yeah. right? Huge league-wide economic injustice and inequity still have a huge problem there. So those mm-hmm. things we like we've seen attempts to bridge those gaps, and what the, I think that the player movement being too too high is probably the one that's sorting itself out naturally right now when we're seeing mm-hmm. these big huge contracts these big long-term contracts well and teams are but, willing to buy out arbitration is what's going on too like we'll talk a little yeah. bit about that in, later but teams are more willing to buy out arbitration years now to keep guys around for a long time like the mariners bought out all of julio rodriguez's rookie contract all three years of arbitration and then like 10 years after that <laughs> yeah exactly right? and we've yeah, seen yeah. we've seen other teams do the same thing like the braves did it with acuna um they've done it with they just did it with sean murphy i believe you know, mm-hmm. that these teams who are building homegrown talent realize that they have the talent. They got to, but they got to buy out arbitration. They got to extend that contract way, way, way out because that's what guys want. The I Yankees just did it with everybody, but Claver uh, Torres, <laughs> he's the only one <laughs> that didn't extend. He's the only one that's going to arbitration. No, mm-hmm. dang. Yeah. We'll talk about it in a minute. But um, so Costas, he argues in chapter one, he says, what the what the these are some of his bullet point ideas revenue sharing salary cap and then a superstar salary cap so i thought it was really interesting where he says you know guys who have the opportunity their mvps their top 5 cy young voters stuff like that that there would be a different salary cap for them but that there would also be a league wide salary floor which i thought right. was fascinating and fantastic um, higher minimum salaries across the board, which we've already seen come to fruition. Um, a He calls a liberalized free agency, which he gets into later in the book. And then he wants to eliminate the 
arbitration structure as we know it today. That Those are some of his bullet points just from chapter one as he sees like the changes that need to occur. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think honestly, like his, I had never thought about how bad the arbitration system is until yeah. he brought it up. Yeah. You know, that like, I know I always go back to the NBA, but I really think they've figured a lot of things out as far as mm-hmm. like player contracts. And um, if the NBA or if MLB did things the way the NBA did, it would just lop off the arbitration years, right? Because you've got three years of arbitration. It would just yeah. chop those off after three years of service time. Instead of six, which Costas argues is criminal. It is. That's a long time. Most guys never, even criminal. Make, never make free agency. Exactly. At all, ever. But in the NBA, and granted, it's a smaller group of people. Yeah. Right? There's only two rounds in the draft. So your yeah. pool, pool of players is much smaller. But guys will make free agency, and they will be like a fringe player. They'll like be like a sixth or seventh man, and they're still making like really, really good money and getting a three-year deal. They get yeah. three more years in the league. Yeah. You know? So I think if they were to lop off that arbitration, I think he's got a great point that that would be huge for the players. And I bet that they would give so many other concessions. I bet they would probably agree to um, a, a, cap. a salary cap because yeah. then – by nature, you have to have a salary floor, which I know the you owners don't to. want. But right. if they're getting rid of arbitration, it's funny that you bring up the NBA because so does Bob Costas, and he he actually comes after baseball for following the NBA's guidance on the playoff structure. He says that uh, the NBA is the reason that the playoffs in Major League Baseball look the way they look today, and uh, was because of this. What? And it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, you're you, Bob Costas is against it. Brad thinks he's wrong. <laughs> he, he says, though I had been critical of I this is this is on page six. I have this highlighted in my Kindle. It says, though I had been critical of the wild card system in three uh uh oh he's talking about he's going back to the uh never mind, that's the wrong spot. He's going back to the World Series between the Indians and the and the Marlins. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, he's been critical of the wild card system. I think at one point he calls it an abomination. He did. Yeah, he called yeah. it an abomination. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, man, I don't think so. (laughs) Well, and I don't think it was, I like the old school pennant races just as much as he does. I think it was exciting. It was steeped in culture there. I go also being accused of being a purist, which I've agreed is not far from I'm, I'm far more on the romantic side. I'm way more field of dreams than I am bull Durham for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That I'm right there. But at the same time though, I think that the way they handled it this last season was probably as good as it's ever been with expansion with playoff expansion yeah with the expanded playoffs and get, allowing for a bye week or a bye series for the best teams and letting everybody else duke it out at the bottom i thought it was awesome it worked out it was so much more fun yeah and i, I think the bye is a solid reward um i i just think that like the three divisions make sense geographically mm-hmm. and adding in the wild card like you kind of have to right um, but you're still rewarding the teams that win their division because the best team in the league still gets home field against the wild card team. Yeah. But because it's baseball, anybody could still win those games. Right. You know, but mm-hmm. I, and I'll say the same thing I always say about expanded playoffs. The more teams you let in, the longer teams are relevant and the more meaningful games you have through the entire year. Yeah. Now, that being said, I do not think they should add one more team to either play like to the playoffs. No, it's perfect. 
it's, it's the way it's set up right now is where it needs to be. It's the sweet spot. And I think even adding two additional expansion teams should not automatically trigger any adjustment to the current playoff format. Right. Yeah. Because it's funny because he criticizes, like you said, he criticizes the NBA and criticizes Major League Baseball for following the NBA. Um, and the NBA has really opened things up that now, rather than letting in the top eight from each conference, they have uh, they have a couple playing games. So yeah. you've got 10 teams from each conference that has a shot at making the playoffs after the seat, like the day the season ends. That's two thirds of your league. Yeah. That could be in the, <laughs> that are playing for the playoffs. Like, which is insane. That's too that, much. Too much. Makes no sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to chapter two really quick, just for the, the sake of brevity. Cause I thought this was really interesting. Chapter two, he goes into what actually happened. So chapter one, he says, this is what should have happened in the 1993 leading into the potential strike and then the actual strike. And in chapter two, he says, and this is what actually went down. And I don't want to get too deep into what actually went down because I feel like we've talked about it a lot. But his perspective that that really got me, I should have written down the page number, but I'll quote it. He says, the worst part about the strike in 94 is that it forced many fans to conclude that the owners and the players had little but contempt for the game of baseball, saw it largely as a money-making instrument. And then he goes on to say that post-strike baseball was far less worthy of fans' devotion. I don't know. I feel like what happened after the strike financially was inevitable. Just because there's so much money involved with live TV rights, it was going to happen. Like, yeah, because that's where players get paid. Players You're get right, paid right. from TV rights. And uh, it's it's one of those bubbles that eventually it's going to burst. And I think it's going to probably burst with getting rid of blackouts. Yeah. But it's continued to get bigger and bigger and bigger over the years. Like, I mean, think about it. Before we just had the three, four major networks, right? Three mm-hmm. of them, maybe between, yeah. I guess, four with CBS, Fox, NBC and um abc right we're yep. contending and then you've got cable and then you've got tbs espn TBS, all that WFN, and so it gets bigger yeah. because teams are because channels or, or stations are like well we'll pay you this much so we can have it so it gets bigger and bigger but now with yeah. streaming platforms now you've got amazon prime who could potentially who's streaming nfl games i wouldn't be surprised to see them get into it throw us right. more in the pot apple tv has thrown money into the pot peacock, peacock. has thrown money into the yeah. pot right so that yeah. pot continues to grow and grow and grow and players are continuing to get paid more and more and more because of it. Way more. So, Crazy more. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it, I feel like it's inevitable. And we were just seeing the tip of the iceberg post strike because it was getting, it was starting to get so big. The problem is coming back to teams that begin the season with no zero hopes of making any dent in the playoffs, like zero. And we've seen since this book was written, not only do teams not have hopes, but they also plan for it. They're orchestrating their demise and tanking for a couple of years just to ensure that they have a better opportunity to build up their system and to save a little money on the side and whatever else there is going on in in there. But I mean, I feel like that part of the problem that he points out got way, way worse. And it has not still gotten better. Right, trying. Teams like the Pirates still continue to not contend. The Astros still don't spend a lot of money. I remember 
I think it was like 2015 or 2016 where they were named the most profitable team in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Like, yeah, because they're paying like five bucks for every one of those players. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was on a minimum contract or a rookie contract. But in the same in the same division, you go up to Oakland and they can't win a ball game to save their Forever. lives. They're literally they, like you can't even clean the bleachers yeah. because they can't pay people to clean the freaking bleachers. Or they now won't. they're looking at getting evicted. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and this is what this is one of the things too is that like the Mar- Mariners fans know how much the Mariners get every year yeah. <clears throat> from TV money from yeah. Root Sports. But that number does not match player salary. Right. At all. Not even close. Right. And that's one of the frustrating things as fans is that you see money coming in <clears throat> But you're not spending it because, and I understand there's other expenses. You got to pay your GM, you got to pay your assistant GM, you got to pay your scouts, you got to pay everybody, right? Yeah. But at the same time, though, like that should be another part of the budget, is what it feels like. Hmm. That money coming in from your TV deal, money coming in from the league from TV deals, and whatever else, like that feels like that should be going to the players. But that's not something that Major League Baseball does. Again, NBA, NFL, even I want to say that they agreed to like forty nine fifty, like a forty nine fifty one split. They did. They Maybe forty eight fifty two. They have that a whole revenue that's going on in baseball. situation. It's not, and if it is, it's not as much as it needs to be. Right, because if because <laughs> if it is going on, these teams are still somehow pocketing that money. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So that 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 gets perfectly into what he says in chapter three, and then we'll wrap it up after chapter three. But he says Major League Baseball is less like 30 restaurants all on the same street and more like 30 franchises of the same restaurant in a chain. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really astute way of pinpointing like it it was a great analogy of expressing like we have to work together. He even says if Burger King wants to move across the street from McDonald's, test the market and see if they can hang right across the street, nobody's going to stop them from doing that. But the team in Minnesota isn't just going to move to New York. And or he said, to, what does he say? St. Louis. We're just not just Kansas City isn't just going to move to St. Louis and say, like, we're just going to be the second best team in, in St. Louis. And it's going to be great. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't do, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. That's why I think the idea of a third team in New York is like crazy. It's crazy. Right? Yeah, I think it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, um one one more thing though like back to the tv stuff though i i laughed out loud when he said the abomination called the baseball network yeah coming from it lasted one year <laughs> yeah but I, it was the it was like the precursor though for mlb network which has been it is successful and yeah, mlb totally. tv and everything that goes along with it but like of course the guy who works for network tv is like oh what an abomination taking yeah, away right. from my airtime yeah <laughs> i do agree with that <laughs> I laughed so hard i actually have a note in my kindle i said actually revolutionary <laughs> yeah we call that a disruptor in the marketplace it's what yeah. we did it's actually good it's yeah, actually so really good really funny that he called an abomination right well right. it reminded me of the guy from network remember that film network uh-huh. he's like i'm mad as hell you know <laughs> like it's just, that's how it reads <laughs> yeah oh yeah big time yeah. <laughs> and one funny thing before we go before we take a break um abomination you know the 
the Marvel character. He's like the bad version of the Hulk abomination. Yeah. Every time I see that word, I think of Wilson when he was like three, I think. Mm. Yeah, three or four. He couldn't say it and said he would call it body racing. (laughs) (laughs) Body racing, Dan. Body racing. (laughs) It was the best. (laughs) That's awesome. All right, baseball family, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, I want to remind you that our next section that we're going to read will be in two weeks. So that will be chapters four, five, and six. And we'll get those to you uh, not next Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. So stay tuned for that. That's uh, it's again, it's like 40 pages. It's pages 51 to 90. So pretty easy to jump in there and follow along. And um, Brad's got the date for us. Be the 31st. Outstanding. Thanks, Brad. All right, baseball family. uh, When we come back, we're going to talk arbitration. Welcome back, baseball family. So we are going to go in and talk about arbitration because that's a lot of a lot of what's going on right now. The the hot stove has cooled. Uh, Teams are doing the best they can, maybe to avoid arbitration. And therefore, if they don't avoid it, going to arbitration with certain players. So before we get too deep into the weeds with a lot of this that's going on, um, let's review what arbitration is. We talked about it a little bit last segment, but what it comes down to is Major League Baseball players, their careers are measured by service time. That's how much time they spend at the big league level. So once they hit three years of service time, they are eligible for their first year of arbitration, which basically says I am better than I was as a rookie, I'm experienced. I have some veteran experience, so I should be making more than a rookie. So the player comes with their number. The team comes with their number. If they don't agree, they go arbitration. Arbitrator says either you're right or you're right. They don't meet the middle because it's not a mediator. And that's the way it works. They do that for years three, four, and five of service time. Once they reach six years of service time, they can become a free agent, which is absolutely ridiculous that it's that long. So there's arbitration 100%. for you in a, nut- in a nutshell. Well done, Brad. For real. Thank you, Brig. Thank you. You're welcome. I might need a drink after that one. Holy moly. All right, so we're going to go down the list of teams who uh, we're going to go down the list of every team and the arbitration situation for players of note up to now. Brad, take it away with the Angels. The Angels, they uh, have not reached an agreement with uh, Hunter Renfro. Shohei Otani, his five years of service time, uh, reached a $30 million one-year deal in October, he will be a free agent next year cool. if, if they don't get an extension. Very exciting for many of us. Yeah. Um, Gio or Shellad, no agreement reached. Um, and uh, Jared Walsh, I feel like that's a big deal for the Angels. They reached a $2.65 million agreement. And Taylor Ward also got a, a $2.75 million agreement uh, to avoid arbitration. Other than that, they have Luis Rengifo, Rengifo, sorry. He was kind of a killer part part way through the season. Uh, he uh, and Gio Urshela and Hunter Renfro, uh, it says they're going to exchange numbers, could still mm-hmm. go to arbitration. Yeah. The Astros have eight players who are arbitration eligible. Only one of them, excuse me, two of them are going to need to exchange figures. That's Kyle Tucker and Christian Javier. Everybody else on the list has made some sort of settlement. They've agreed. Phil Mayton. Maton, for those of you French speakers out there, Ryan Stanek, Framber Valdez, Jose Urquidy, Blake Taylor, and Mauricio Dubon. I'm surprised they haven't reached a number with Kyle Tucker, and That's, it might be that he yeah 
he's he's overstating his value. I think I don't know that he is though. Maybe the Astros are understating it. That's what I mean. I, I think, think that he, he's advocating. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I'm he sorry. He could be I a top five it. MVP candidate. He could be yeah, for sure. He has the ability. Yeah. So that could be bad news bears to the Astros. The Athletics had three guys, which is not surprising given the way that they make up their roster. You had Tony Kemp, Ramon Lariano, and Paul Blackburn. All of them have reached agreements. Um, Tony Kemp is on a $3.725 million deal. Uh, Ramon Lariano, $3.55, and Paul Blackburn, $1.9. The Blue Jays had 12 players go to uh, need an extension or, or potential arbitration. Bo Bichette is the only one in this list who has uh, needs to exchange numbers because they were, they were unable to reach an agreement. Um, Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, Danny Jansen, Vlad Guerrero Jr., with just over three years of service time, is at $14.5 million agreement. Um, Tim Meza, Kevin Biggio, Eric Swanson, Trent Thornton, Jordan Romano, Santiago Espinal, and Dalton Varsho are all uh, in agreement with the Blue Jays. Uh, Eric Swanson's an interesting one because he got traded from the Mariners to the Blue Jays. And um, I thought he'd gotten at least two. He was he was good last year. Yeah, but one point two five. Whatever. There was something going on. The Mariners didn't use him in the postseason. Then they traded him away like right away. So I wonder mm. if there's something else there. But anyway, must be. The Braves had eight arbitration eligible players. The only guy it looks like they haven't agreed with is Max Freed. Um, other than that, they've got Joe Jimenez, AJ Minter, Mike Soroka. Tyler Matzik, Lucas Lukey, Dennis Santana, and Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy signed a six-year, $73 million extension. Wow. So that's And that was just this month. Yeah, that was a big old fatty fat number. Big deal for him. Good for him to get that. And he's barely got over three years of service time. Exactly. Milwaukee had 14 players come eligible for arbitration agreements. Um, as of right now, Corbin Burns is the only one that will need to exchange numbers. He's got just over four years of service time under his belt. Everybody else, and listen to the names on this list, Victor Carantini, Brandon Woodruff, Matt Bush, Willie Adamas, uh, Eric Lauer, Adrian Hauser, Rowdy Telez, Luis Arias, um, Hobby Milner, Devin Williams, Mike Brousseau, Keston Hura, and Abraham Toro have all agreed. And what's interesting about this is most of these guys are in their third year of service time. There's a couple like Carantini's in his fifth, uh, Woodruff and Bush are in their fourth, Adamas and, and Corbin Burns are in their fourth. Uh, but there's a bunch of these guys who are well under that six-year mm-hmm. uh, so, free agency mark. Something with Corbin Burns real quick. Um, I follow a guy because he's somebody I actually worked with at the Orm Owls. Uh, he works in the Brewers organization now. Yeah. And he uh, he did a blind resume of comparing three pitchers, and I won't go like all into it, but he compared Max Fried, Julio Urias, and Corbin Burns. And uh, it, he talked about how Max Fried got $13.5 million versus $15 million. Um, Urias settled for 14.25, and Corbin Burns is. Like they're like, it looks like they're like seven hundred thousand dollars apart at ten point one. Oh no, it's ten versus ten point eight, so eight point eight million dollars apart, eight hundred thousand dollars apart. Mm. But his numbers are by far the best out of the three, right? 
And so it's almost like that's not a, a that doesn't seem like a very big gap. And B, they're getting a steal if they give him 10.8. Yeah. So they need to stop yeah, being cheap and pay the man. Give yeah. pay that man his money. <laughs> um, the Cardinals had 10 players who were arbitration eligible, had Jordan Montgomery, Chris Stanton, Jack Flaherty, Jordan Hicks, Dakota Hudson, Tyler O'Neill with uh, never mind, Mariners fan thing. Anyway, Tommy <laughs> Edmond, Ryan Helsley, Andrew Knitzer, and Genesis Cabrera. Um, you've got Ryan Helsley and Genesis Cabrera who have not reached an agreement yet. Um, the big one out of that group, though, is Jordan Montgomery getting $10 million, but he's got over yeah. five years of service time, so he's yeah. about due. Well, and he's good, by the way. So, BT dub. That's right. That doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Moving to Northside Chicago, the Cubbies had six players up for this uh, situation here. They've all agreed. There are no exchanges of numbers necessary. Ian Happ, Rowan Wick, Nico Horner, Cody Hauer, Hewer, Cody Hewer, Denise, I need help, Nick Madrigal, <laughs> and Adrian Sampson. All, all six are, are good to go. Cubs have locked Good in. for them. Diamondbacks had six. Carson Kelly, Christian Walker, Zach Gallen, Cole Solzer. Josh Rojas and Kyle Lewis. Uh, poor Kyle Lewis probably had to just settle for whatever they offered him because that dude has had been driving the struggle bus the last two years. Driving um, it. Yep. But Josh Rojas, they have not reached an agreement yet. Um, he's a local dude, so fans love him. And I wonder if he's going to take that to the table as part of like, look. Of course, of course he will. Yeah. I would. Why not? Yeah. Good for Christian Walker and Zach Gallen, though. I think those are the two names I was most excited to see. Uh, mm-hmm. Christian Walker walked away with 6.5 and Zach Gallon just a little over five and a half. So yeah, very excited. Zach Gallon certainly earned it this last year. So did Christian Walker with the mind. gold glove. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. they both did great for sure. The Dodgers had 10 players up for arbitration. The only one who didn't reach an agreement was Tony Gonsolin. Everybody else did. That's Julio Arias, Walker Bueller, Caleb Ferguson, Yancey Almonte, Will Smith, Dustin May, Tracy Thompson, Bruce Dar, Grotterall, and Evan Phillips. <clears throat> Excuse me. Everybody else, uh, all those players agreed. Don't have to exchange numbers. It's very nice. Nice. Giants had 10 players. Scott Alexander, John Brebia, Jacob Junis, 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 hmm, Austin yes. Slater, J.D. Davis, Mike Yastrzemski, Logan Webb, Lamont Wade Jr., Tyler Rogers and Tyro Estrada. Looks like they've all agreed. So good for them. Yeah. Watch out for Tyro Estrada. He's going to mature into a quite the quite the ball player, I feel like. Yeah. He's, he's only, only got two, two service time. So exactly. Yeah. Got Just a lot you of wait. Control left with him. Yeah. Cleveland. Cleveland's baseball team yet to be renamed. We've got um, Ed Rosario, <laughs> Shane Bieber, Cal Quantrill, Josh Naylor, Zach. Plesak, that's how you say his name. Aaron Savali and James Karinchak. Wow, geez. Uh, they've all ag- agreed to uh, arbitration numbers, to avoid arbitration, rather, and, and they're getting paid, so that's nice. Good for Shane Bieber getting $10 million. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that's a good deal for him. And yeah. Josh Naylor pulling down th- just over three and a quarter. With Even though he's rocking his baby, now he can rock the baby to sleep in a in a very plush crib (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly right so the marlins had nine players joey wendell garrett cooper dylan floro 
Jacob Stallings, Pablo Lopez, Tanner Scott, John Birdie, JT Chargois, Chargois, Jesus Lazardo. Um, so Chargois, he actually reached a one-year deal, so he's good. Um, but it looks like uh, John Birdie and Ho- uh, Jesus Lazardo are the only guys who have not reached yet. Joey Wendell coming over from the Rays. That's a that, he's going to be like the, the cornerstone for them for at least one more year, right? He's like, the they dude. have to be, he needs to be, yeah, yeah, and at six million dollars, so cheap for <laughs> such a yeah, it's a steal. Yes, like he, I, I wouldn't say he's a 10 million dollar guy, but what he brings to the table for the Marlins right now, yeah, it's a good deal. They need him bad, they need him bad. Uh, Mariners, Brad's going to weigh in on every one of these if he wants to. Tiosca uh, Hernandez needs to exchange numbers, Tom Murphy. Uh, does not one point six two five million dollars. Diego Castillo needs to exchange numbers. Paul Seawald does not. Dylan Moore needs to exchange numbers. Ty France does not. I'm really happy to hear about Ty France, by the way. Yeah, me too. Ty France. I think I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if he gets off to a good start. If they extend him long term, yeah. I'm yeah. hoping for the same thing with Teoscar Hernandez because he's going to be a free agent after this year, and I really don't want him to test the waters because he gone. If that's the case. Um, yep. I'm hoping that the reason they haven't reached yet is because they're trying to get him to sign a long-term deal. That yeah, makes sense. Like, I would love to have him around. Tom Murphy coming off an injury. That's like perfect for him. Paul Seawall, that's a great deal for him because when he's on, that dude is on for months at a time. Um, yeah. Dylan Moore, it's interesting because he's a utility player. Diego Castillo was so up and down. like He's streaky, but mm-hmm. it's like on a week, off a week. On a week, off a week. Yeah. And so it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with him. So there you go. Cool. All those guys with the Mariners, all six of them. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, the Brad. Mets, yeah. The Mets had eight players uh, Tomas Nito, Jeff McNeil, Joey Lucchesi. Is that how you say that? Lucchesi. 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 Uh, Eliza Hernandez, Drew Smith, Pete Alonzo, uh, Luis Guillerme, and Jeff Brigham. You need to buy a new jersey. <gasps> I should. Oh, I really should. <laughs> you should. You should. Anyway, um, the big one there is Pete Alonso getting $14.5 million. With four years of service time. If they don't sign, if they're throwing money around and they don't sign him to a big fatty fat long-term deal, they're fools. They need to he should feel he should Especially feel tilted. He should because that's a steal. Yeah, yeah. 14 and a half. He yeah. They need to extend him and pay the dude. Yeah. Pay that man his money. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the Walgreens Nationals. Washington Nationals, Carl Edwards Jr. Uh, d- so let me just say this. Victor Robles has not figured it out. They got to exchange numbers, and he's the only one. Everybody else has exchanged numbers so or has agreed. Carl Edwards Jr., Tanner Rainey. Um, Hunter Harvey agreed to just a one-year deal. Uh, Victor Arano, Lane Thomas, Ildemaro Vargas, and Kyle Finnegan. Why do I get all the hard names? This is awesome. I don't know. You know what's funny though is like you go through and you see a lot of these deals, like the, the teams and these players have agreed on uh, yeah. to avoid arbitration. And most of them are at least a million dollars, like maybe one point five. The yeah. Nats have <laughs> two <laughs> under a million dollars. Yeah, they do. Holy cow. They're just barely under, but they're not in the million-dollar range. Right, yeah. but still, they didn't crack the million dollars like 
And I forgot Carl knows Carl Edwards Jr. was still playing baseball, but that's just me. Anyway. What? All right. It's true. So the Orioles had six players. Um, the only one they have not reached with is Austin Voth. Other than that, they got Anthony Santander. Good for them for reaching with him. I think that's a good deal. 7.4. Uh, he's earned it. Cedric Mullins is getting low balled. Austin, ha- mm-hmm. Austin Hayes, Dylan Tate, and Jorge Mateo. By the way, Cedric Mullins is at 4.1. Yep. That's a, that's a team friendly deal. It's because he's it's because he only has three years of service time. But he's, I know, but still, I know, I agree. Give with Give the you. dude like five at least. Give it, yeah. The Padres had eight. They've agreed with every one of them: Josh Hader, Juan Soto, Tim Hill, Jose Castillo, Austin Nola, Trent Grisham, Adrian Marajon, and Jake Cronenworth. All of them have agreed. No problems there. One noteworthy one, or excuse me, two. Jose Castillo, $730,000, and Adrian Marajon, $800,000. Well, Juan Soto is $23 million. He's got four years of service time. I wonder if they're just going to sit. I would. I'd wait. Yeah. If he does well, reevaluate. If he doesn't, let him go. Yeah. Yeah, because maybe maybe San Diego is not a good fit for him. But, yeah, it's in, they've got two more years of control on him. So. Yeah, we'll see what they happens. They have no reason to extend him if they don't want to. Mm-mm. The Phillies had eight players. They have not agreed with Jose Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez. Uh, other than that, they got Reese Hoskins with, with $12 million, Jake Cave, Ranger Suarez, Gregory Soto, who they traded for from the Tigers recently, by the way, mm-hmm. Sam Coonrod and Edmund and Edmundo Sosa. Everybody else has agreed. There's a couple more... Uh, yeah, deals under a million dollars. Economical. Yep. Let's go to let's go to economy baseball. Speaking of economy baseball, Pittsburgh Pirates had six players arbitration eligible. The only one, the only I am shocked we have to talk about this. The only one not to have reached is G Man Choi. Uh, he has over five years of service time. They're going to exchange numbers. Shade. Yeah, they. I'm telling you what, the whole league has been undervaluing G-Man Choi since forever. And he had he had his really good chance with uh, Tampa Bay, but then their deep playoff runs ended, and otherwise the whole world would appreciate G-Man Choi more. He was part yeah. of that New York uh, next man up situation we had where we were rotating first baseman the oh, whole yeah, yeah. season a while ago. Yeah, he was part of that, and he was great. I just love. I like the fire and the energy. Anyway, everybody else has agreed. Robert Stevenson, Miguel Andujar, is that where he's playing now? <laughs> Same thought. That's wonderful. I'm really happy for him. Get out of here, it's Mickey Two Bags. Good for him. He is. Uh, Dane Underwood Jr., <laughs> Mitch Keller, and JT Brubaker. Have all reached uh, with Pittsburgh. I'm actually happy for Miggy that he's in. Miggy Two Bags is in Pittsburgh, ladies and gentlemen. You know what, we though, didn't know. Like, like the Pirates could be sneaky good. They, like and you know, they have. They're yeah. not going to trade away Brian Reynolds. They've got O'Neill mm-hmm. Cruz. They've got Key Brian Hayes. Now they've got G-Man Choi and Miguel Andujar. Like, and they just signed a uh, Kutch for one last farewell tour year. Yeah, like get that. Get some pretty good pitching in there. You might have a not bad team. Yeah, you could be Baltimore a couple of years ago. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Fascinating like that though. Sneaky build. Yeah. At least at the very least interesting to watch. 
totally. unlike how they have been. Or uh, interesting Rangers, to watch how they blow it because they are also not incapable of taking <laughs> wonderful chess pieces and just rolling over. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, the Rangers had five, and they all five reached an agreement. Mitch Garber, Brett Martin, Taylor Hearn, Jonathan Hernandez, and Nathaniel and Lau. I think it's Lau. Maybe it's Lowe. I think so. Maybe Lau plays for, Tampa, for, plays for Tampa Bay. Anyway, Nathaniel. Lau does play for Tampa Bay, by the way. There we go. That's who I was thinking Speak, of. Speaking of Tampa Bay, let's move on. Um, Yandy Diaz has not reached an agreement and will exchange numbers. So is Jeffrey Springs, Harold Ramirez, Colin Poche, Pete Fairbanks, Ryan Thompson, and Jason Adam. Uh, Trouble in Paradise, that's a lot of names on the list of 14 total. Um, Half. It's half. So the ones who have reached agreements are Yanni Chirinos, Sean Armstrong, Jalen Beeks, Andrew Kittredge, Francisco Mejia. That's how you say that. Christian Bethencourt. I always want to call him Bettencourt, but it's Bethencourt and it bugs me. And then Randy Rosarina, which is a good undervalued. Obviously undervalued. $4 million. million. Yeah, it's ridiculous. (laughs) And I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that half that group is potentially going to go to arbitration because, like, no, we are not paying you what you want because we are cheap. Yeah. And the players are like, we are really talented (laughs) because they are. Exactly. We get you to the playoffs every year. Okay, yeah. let's go to the Red Sox. They had eight. Um, looks like they've they've agreed with everybody. Uh, Ryan Brazier. Brazier. Wow, that was terrible. That's what happens when you nice. watch games. The volume down break. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Devers, Nick Pavetta, Alex Verdugo, Rob Resnider, um, Christian Arroyo, Josh Taylor, and Reese McGuire all agree. Good for them. good for them. And, but notable Raphael Devers, they agreed to a $17.5 million deal to avoid arbitration. And then he got a three point or $313 million extension over 10 for years. For 10 years. Yeah. In Cincinnati, the Reds uh, have reached agreements with all seven players Buck Farmer, Luis Sessa. That's a shame, Luis Sessa. Uh, Kevin Newman, Lucas Sims, Nick Senzel, uh, Justin Dunn, and T. Hay Antone, I think is how you say that name. Yeah. Justin Dunn, I think that's a perfect number for him because he was out for, he's missed like a season and a half, I believe, with a shoulder yeah. injury. $900,000. If he can get healthy, they'll have a good, yes. they'll have a good pitcher. Sessa's the same way, man. 2.65 is a great little sweet spot for him for his last year before he's a free agent. Let's see how he does. It's great. Yeah. The Rockies had five players. They breached with all of them. Brent Suter, uh, Danielson Lamette, Tyler Kinley, Austin Gomber, and Brendan Rogers. I do not follow the Rockies even in the slightest, so I don't know about any of those guys. Cool story. The Royals had, <laughs> had nine players, uh, and Brady Singer is the only one who have, has not yet um, reached an agreement. They will exchange numbers. We had Amir Garrett, uh, Al Adelberto Mondesi. That's how you say his name. Brad Keller, Scott Barlow, Nikki Lopez, Taylor Clark, Josh Straumont, and Chris Bubik are the only, are the other ones they've all reached agreements with, and they're all over a million dollars. Nice. The Tigers had four players. The only only guy they haven't agreed to. Oh no, they did. Sorry, it wasn't highlighted, so I didn't. I couldn't tell. They've agreed with everybody. Mm-hmm. They have a, a deal in place. Jose Cis, Cisnero, Austin Meadows, Tyler Alexander, and Ronnie 
Garcia has a one year. They reached an agreement on a one year deal. So there's that Minnesota, Minnesota, Luisa Reyes is the only one in Minnesota that has not yet reached arbitration agreements and will exchange numbers. All of the other seven players have Emilio Pagan, Pagan, maybe Tyler, Tyler, Molly, Mahale, Mahale, (laughs) Tyler, Caleb, Thielbar. Why is this happening? Kyle Farmer, Jorge Lopez, Chris Paddock, um, Jorge Alcala. I can say that one. Kyle Garlic. Nice. That's his name. Garlic. Oh, it's, there's a note with Garlic that says that he is currently in DFA limbo. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, big is. deal for him. White Sox have five players. They've all reached an agreement. Lucas Gilito, Ronaldo, Lopez, Dylan Cease. Jose Ruiz and Michael Kopech. All of them. The Yankees, with their killer farm system, are boasting 12 names that reached arbitration. All of them reached an agreement, but Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres is going to go to arbitration. He has a little over four years of service time in the tank. And uh, there's a lot of talk about trading him anyway. So it's pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's true. I remember that, yeah, there were rumors early on in the offseason. You're right. Still going, but obviously mm. this takes precedent, so we'll see. Wandy Peralta, Frankie Montas. The problem with Frankie is that uh, he's going to miss the first month of the season. It's recently been reported, and now we need a fifth starter, so that's really exciting. Isaiah, and nobody wants Trevor Bauer, but he's there. Um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Lou Trevino, Clay Holmes, Jonathan Loizaga, Domingo Herman, Kyle Higashioka, Nestor Cortez, Jose Trevino and Michael King. That makes up the Royal We of players who do not need to go to arbitration in the Yankees system. What do you think of that number for Nestor? It's low, but it's way low. Feels low. $3.2 million for a guy that was an all-star, had his breakout season, carried the team for a long time, is Mr. Reliable when Garrett Cole isn't. Yeah, I am shocked. Yeah, I wonder he's if they're because the he's only got guy. three years of service time. I wonder if they're waiting for him to do it again. Of course they are, like, and that makes okay, perfect sense. Prove it again, prove it again, because he was yeah, not yeah. this guy in Seattle. Trust no, me. not at all. <laughs> Trust mm-hmm. me, he was not. But. No, he has been nasty Nestor, but for two different reasons. <laughs> he was nasty Nestor in Seattle. I'll tell you, it was nasty. Oh boy, yeah, it was nasty. It's, and now it's nasty, but it is the best kind of nasty. Yep. Unless you're exactly in right. the box, and that's a problem. That's <laughs> exactly right. Uh, yeah. So there is your complete full rundown of arbitration um, eligible players, everybody who agreed, everybody who did not. Um, there you so go. Far. Hopefully your yeah. team reaches an agreement with your favorite player, and it uh, helps. I mean, it, this is the thing. This is the thing to keep in mind with arbitration. It's not like if they don't reach a deal and they go to arbitration – it's not like the player is going to walk because they're not a free agent. Keep that in mind. Yeah. But right. the thing that I worry about with arbitration, I always worry about with going to arbitration as I worry about fracturing a relationship with the front office. That's my big yeah. problem with arbitration. Yep. So even Derek Jeter said it wasn't the same because he had to go to arbitration. I could see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it just wasn't the same after that. Yeah. So because you get to see, you have to see exactly what they think about you besides like the contract negotiation. But anyway, that's a whole nother thing. 
but baseball family you can look at our arbitration move. video if you want yeah right we have a video explaining a arbitration yeah. yeah in fact a lot of people have been watching it lately because every year when arbitration comes up a lot of people flood into that video it is there Thanks. for you to watch um, but baseball family thank you for joining us don't forget to like subscribe rate and review the show let us know what you think um rate and review on your podcast podcast platform if you can head over to apple Podcasts if uh if your platform doesn't let you do it because you can for sure there if you're on the youtube machine uh give us a like and subscribe so you don't miss anything that we do um we're coming up on our 200th episode and we're gonna be doing some fun stuff not just in the episode but brig is gonna be in town so we're gonna be making some bonus content some fun stuff for everybody and speaking of bonus content tell them brig about being a rooter you can be a rooter that's what we call our exclusive team of supporters who give us money to keep doing what we're doing on patreon and that's just the truth of the matter they love us and we love them. And there's a whole like gift exchange thing going on and it's totally at retail value. So don't think we're doing anything super crazy, <laughs> but you get the uh, behind the scenes content. You get episodes uh, like the, the stuff we cut out of the episodes, the stuff that's not family friendly, that's purely raw and authentic and totally whimsical and fun. We have all the giggles and everything on the unedited bullpen cut of the show. That's all available on Patreon. And for as little as $1 a month, you can support us. And it's a greatly appreciated. So it helps us keep doing what we're doing. And we get to show you we love you in a bunch of other ways. So exactly right. But thank you for joining us, baseball family. We will catch you next week. Mm-hmm.